ladies, welcome everyone. If I haven't yet met you, my name is Jill. I'm one of the women's pastors here at Christian Assembly Church. It's so, so good to be with you for our fall session of women's Bible study. If you are new, if you're visiting, maybe a friend invited you, maybe you're just checking out church or what the Bible is all about, we are so, so glad that you're with us. And by the looks and the number of women here, it seems like we do have some women who are joining us for the first time. So if that's you, welcome. And we're so glad that you're here. We also want to say a special welcome to all those joining us online. So if you're with us in an online group or a satellite group that meets in a leader's home, welcome. And we're so glad that you are with us. Well, you guys, this fall, we are going to be meeting for seven weeks. We're going to be studying the book of Esther. When you came in, you should have received a study guide on your seats. And these study guides include all of the Bible passages from the book of Esther so that you can read it there. And then it also includes some reflection questions and things that you can be thinking and praying through throughout the weeks. And so in this upcoming week, this coming week till next week, we'll be focusing on Esther 1 and 2. So you can check your study guide for more info on that. Also, she's not with us tonight, but a special shout out to one of our women's interns named Shiho. If you know her, she designed these books. I know you're thinking they look stunning. She hand drew and designed, I don't know the right terminology, the cover, designed the inside. So if you know her, you see her, please say thank you to her, but a special shout out to Shiho. So you've got your study books. As always, we will worship together. You might have noticed that we started a few minutes early tonight. We tried to start on time. So make note of that for the future, ladies, because we're going to try and start on time. So be here at seven so you can worship with us. So we'll worship together and then we'll gather for a teaching, which this session will be from the book of Esther. Tonight, it's really just an introduction on what we're going to be studying. And then the last hour of our time together will be table time so and discussion time with small groups. So if you're new and you're wondering, who do I spend that discussion time with? We'll let you know when it's time for that, and we'll put you in different groups and tables so that you have some women that you can connect with and discuss with throughout this upcoming session. And you'll also have a chance to pray with them as well. So during this upcoming session, you're actually gonna have a chance to hear from a few different speakers and teachers. So I'll be sharing a bit. You'll get to hear from one of our other women's pastors, Tanya. You'll also get to hear from one of our retired women's pastors, Kathy Christopher. And then you'll also get to hear from one of our own longtime members of CA and a faithful woman of Christ, Allison Hughes, who's somewhere here and is one of our Bible City Table leaders. So you'll get to hear from a variety of us this session, and it'll be fun to do that with you guys. Many of you know one of our women's pastors, Coley. Coley's our lead women's pastor, and she is not with us this coming session of Bible Study for a really good reason. She's on maternity leave. She would love to be with us, but she's loving being with her family and her little baby girl who was born, I think, like five weeks ago. Her name is Ollie. She's so cute. So we're excited for the sweet season of life. Coley and her husband and baby Ollie are in, but she'll be back with us in the winter and the spring session. So a few announcements before us. Before we jump in, uh, we do an optional offering here at Women's Bible Study, and it's optional for anyone who gives to this offering. All of the money goes to help support some of the costs associated with Women's Bible Study. So things like tech and our video, and also just a special shout out to our awesome tech guy, Rory, who's in the kitchen. Rory's been doing Women's Bible Study for longer than 
I even know how to guess. So thank you, Rory. Uh, but it goes towards some of the costs of tech, video, the beautiful books you have, childcare, things like that. So on your table every week, your table leader will have an offering envelope. And if you decide you want to give, you can just give in that envelope and they'll give it back to us at the end of the night. We have a marriage class coming up at Christian Assembly. It's called Marriage on the Rock. It's an eight-week class. It starts in October. So if you're interested in signing up or learning more, you can get info about that on our website. We also want to let you know that Women's Ministry has some kingdom events that we're hosting this year. One of those kingdom events is happening this week on Thursday night. And so we are going to be partnering with Door of Hope in Pasadena, and we're hosting a dinner night for families who are part of Door of Hope. And so if you're interested in volunteering to be part of that dinner, or if you're interested in bringing a meal or cooking a dish and delivering it for that dinner, please go on our website and you can sign up to do that. But that's happening this Thursday night. And then our last announcement, which we're really excited about, and this is the first time we're doing this, is we are doing something this fall at Women's Bible Study called Gal Pal Week. And it is what it sounds like. It's a time to invite your gal pals and your besties and your friends and your family and coworkers and neighbors to join us for Women's Bible Study. Now, the truth is you can invite people to join us for Women's Bible Study any week you want, but we've created this one special week. It's the week of October 17th and 18th. We're going to have a few extra special things happening at Bible study, including just some fun treats and sweets from a little bakery that everyone knows and loves called Porto's in Glendale. And if you don't know it and love it yet, you will. And so our hope for this Gal Pal event is just that we would encourage each other to invite people who maybe aren't yet part of church, maybe who don't know Jesus yet, maybe who are checking things out, maybe they do go to church, but just people who are not yet part of a Bible study who might wanna get connected and grow in their understanding of God's word. So we put an invite on each of your chairs. We would encourage you guys to take that with you. We have extra invites in the lobby, grab some, but we would really encourage you, take this invite and think about it and pray about it and, and just ask the Lord, who might I be able to invite to join me for a Bible study, for women's Bible study? And a quick, just encouraging story. I met with a woman several weeks ago who shared her story of faith with me. She's been a Christian for over two decades, but her story of faith started because she wasn't a Christian and a woman invited her to a Bible study. And of course, at the Bible study, she ended up reading God's word, but it was through that Bible study she ended up giving her life to Christ. So, so much power in an invitation, so we encourage you to invite your friends and your gal pals and join us for Gal Pal Week. I said a few announcements and I meant a lot of announcements, so I apologize, but those are announcements for tonight, ladies. Well, you guys, this upcoming year of Women's Bible Study, we have themed this year as our story series. And so we're gonna be looking at three different stories. This fall, we're gonna look at the story of Esther in the Bible, and then next winter and next spring, we're gonna be looking at the stories of Jonah and the stories of Ruth from the Bible. And these are stories from God's word of ordinary people just like you and me who God uses to do extraordinary things for his glory. And here's the thing about each of us. Each of us here, you have a unique story. Your story is not the same as any other person on the face of the planet. I have a twin sister, so we share the same DNA, but our story and how our lives have unfolded is not the same, right? All of our unique stories are part of a bigger story. In the grand scheme of things, your story isn't just about you, and my story isn't just about me. But the truth is, God created you 
on purpose and for a purpose. He designed you, he thought of you, he planned for you, he loves you, and your life was always meant to be lived for God and in relationship with God. And so whatever your unique story is, and maybe you look around and you feel like, gosh, no one knows my story if they knew, but whatever your unique story is, God can use your story for his glory. And for his glory, meaning he can use your story to point people to him and to bring him praise and honor and to live this life in a way that honors him. Now, for some of you here tonight or with us online or in a satellite group, you hear this and you think, yeah, that might be true for other people. God might be able to use someone else's story. That might be true for the woman sitting next to me, but that could never be true for me. If you knew what I've done, if you knew where I've been, if you knew the things I've said and the mistakes I've made, you would know that God could never use a story like mine. I messed up too many times. I've got too many issues that I'm still working through. God might love me and God might even forgive me, but God could not possibly use me. Others of you might be here thinking, you know, I think God could actually use me, but if I'm honest, I'm just a little afraid. I'm nervous. I'm nervous to share the most honest parts of my story with others, or I want God to use me. I just don't even know where to begin. I don't know what gifts and passions and strengths God's given me. I don't even know where to start or what I'm doing to be used by God. And still others of you come, and if you're honest, you might find yourself in a season of life in the midst of your own story where you, if you're honest, feel a bit hopeless. Wherever you're at presently, you want things in your story to change. You want your story to be different, but no matter what you do or how much you pray or how much you hope, it just feels like nothing's ever gonna change. It feels like everything is always gonna be the same. And you find yourself wondering, is God even working in my story? Could God use me? Is there any hope for my story? And what I want you to hear tonight and throughout our time together this fall, as we're in this story series and as we're reading the book of Esther, what I want you to hear is the invitation to lean into the story that God is writing, to lean into the bigger picture of all that God has done, the salvation story, the rescue plan that God has made for us. Lean into God's story, see how your story is part of his story, whether you know it or not, and learn how your story can be used for God's glory and for his purposes. Let your unique story point people to God. And whether you believe it or not, God can use the stories of ordinary people like me and you for his glory and for his purposes. And he delights in doing that. Would you join me as we pray and then we're gonna jump in. So God, I just thank you for this story series you have us in. I thank you, God, for every woman who's present with us tonight, God, and every woman who's with us online and in satellite groups. God, I just pray, I just pray that you would move, Lord. I give to you what I'm gonna share, and I just pray that you would have your way, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move and speak, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, God, and that you would help us to see all the ways that you're at work in our lives and all the ways, Lord, that you want to use our stories for your glory, Lord. Help us to leave encouraged and with greater hope in you. And God, I also pray for anyone here who has not yet said yes to you, Jesus. Anyone here who doesn't yet know you and what you've done for them. God, I pray that in a way only you can, you would open their eyes to the truth of your word and to the truth of all that you've done for us through Jesus Christ. So we love you, God. We pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. 
Well, ladies, as we jump in, I want to begin with a quick overview of the book of Esther. That's the book that we're going to be in this fall. And then I want to encourage us with three things to keep in mind throughout this session as we think about our story and as we think about God's story. And I apologize for the interruption, but anyone who's listening like Sandra, if anyone could turn up the AC, I'm dying up here and that would be greatly appreciated. (laughs) Thank you. Cut that from the video. Okay. Um, So we're going to look at the book of Esther. The book of Esther is found in the Old Testament in the Bible. And you may or may not know this, but the Bible is considered the best-selling book of all time, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. So of all the stories ever written, of all the books ever read or written, I've got a friend who's read like 84 books this year alone. That's 84 more books than I've read, I think, in my lifetime. Of all the books that have ever been written, the Bible, which is the authoritative word of God, his love letter to us is the best-selling book of all time. If there is one story and one book worth spending your time in, it is the Bible. And if you're here and you've never read the Bible, if you're here and you don't have a printed copy of the Bible, we would love to get you one for free. And so please see me or one of our other staff after Bible study tonight because we would love to put a free Bible in your hands because the best way to learn more about God and who he is is to read his word and see all that he's done for us. So Esther is a book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And the author of Esther is unknown. Stories, a little historical context, the stories you're going to read about in Esther take place in the Persian Empire, and at the time they are occurring, Persia is the dominant kingdom in the ancient Middle East, and the king of Persia is called King Xerxes. Now, about 100 years or so prior to what we read in the book of Esther, Jerusalem had been destroyed and the Jews had been exiled to Babylon, but at this point, where we pick up in Esther, at this point, Babylon is no longer in power, Persia's in power, many of the Jews have actually returned home to Jerusalem, and some of the Jews have chosen to stay in Persia, and two of the Jews who've chosen to stay in Persia are Esther and her cousin Mordecai, and those are two of the characters that you're going to read about in the book of Esther. Now, in the coming weeks, there are a lot of details that you're going to get as you jump into Esther and read all the 10 chapters in the book of Esther, but the brief, quick summary overview of Esther is this. The king of Persia dethrones his queen and he eventually puts Esther as the new queen. One of the king's officials persuades him to issue an edict or a statement that's gonna say all of the Jews are gonna be killed. So this edict is now issued. Mordecai finds out about it. He tells Esther about it. He encourages Esther to use her influence and the position she's been given as queen to go to the king and help stop all of the Jews from being killed. Esther, with great courage, decides to do that, approaches the king, and through those actions, and of course, the hand of God in this, the Jews are spared and protected, and they are not killed. And so that's what we see happening throughout the book of Esther. One thing to note, the book of Esther takes place over the span of 10 years, and it's important to keep that in mind as you read, because it can be really easy to read the book of Esther, which I believe is 10 chapters long, and to think, wow, God moves so quickly and so much changed in such a little period of time. Last week, I decided to sit down and read all of Esther in one sitting. And it was awesome. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that. It's really powerful to read that entire book in one sitting. But I read it in one sitting, and as I did that in a couple hours, it felt like this is moving fast, things are changing, this is awesome. And so it was really helpful to me to learn and realize, oh, everything I just read in two hours actually took place over 10 years. And a 
decade, as you know, is a long time. A lot can change in 10 years, right? God moves in powerful ways, and oftentimes, he does not move as quickly as we might like him to. Not that any of you can relate to that, but there are places in our own story where we want God to show up. We want him to move and do something, but we want him to do it now. And if he's not gonna do it now, we want him to at least do it tomorrow, right? Like we can wait a night, do it tomorrow. We think we know the best timing for God to move. We think we know the perfect timing for God to move, and we think our timing is right. But God often shows up in our stories in his own timing. And sometimes he moves quick and it feels like it's the timing we're hoping for and sometimes it is not the timing that we're hoping for. Sometimes he changes things quickly but oftentimes his timing is different than ours. And the invitation is for us to trust that God's ways are higher than our ways. His timing is always better than ours. God is in control and he knows what he's doing. And so as you read the book of Esther, if it seems like, wow, this is moving really quickly, I wish things moved this fast in my life, remember, you are reading a story that takes place over the course of 10 whole years, which is a long time. So ultimately what we see in the book of Esther is we see God at work using ordinary people just like you and me to do extraordinary things for God's glory and for for his purposes. And so that's just a brief introduction on the book of Esther. I'm not going to say a lot more about Esther because you're going to start getting into chapter one and two this week and continue. But for the remainder of our time, I want to encourage us with three things to keep in mind as we read the book of Esther and as we think about our story and God's story. So three things to keep in mind. First, God is always working. God is always working. This is true whether you see God working or you don't. This is true whether you believe in God or you don't. One interesting thing to note about the book of Esther is that this is the only book in the Bible where God is not directly mentioned. God is not mentioned anywhere in Esther, and yet as you read Esther, if you're looking, you see God everywhere in Esther. As you read the book of Esther, pay attention to all the ways that God is at work behind the scenes. Pay attention to the things that happen that are so much more than just mere coincidence. Pay attention to the ways that God works, and as you do that, pay attention to the ways that God is at work behind the scenes in your own life as well. Even if you can't see him, even if you don't feel like he's working, even if you don't yet believe in him, God is always at work, and that's what Jesus tells us. The Bible tells us that in John 5, 17. Jesus says, my father is always working, and so am I. And we take Jesus at his word. That's true, my father is always working, and so am I. One of the things that struck me about Esther is that it's easy to think of Esther as the main character of the book, especially because God isn't directly mentioned. It's easy to see Esther as the hero and to see the story revolving around her and her actions, but Esther isn't actually the main character in the story. God is. And in a similar way, you and I are not actually the main characters in our own story as much as we would like to be or think that we are or live as though we are, but God is. God is working behind the scenes and he is doing things that you and I can't possibly understand or fathom. And sometimes we can see it and sometimes we can't. But the only reason you and I even have a story to tell is because God chooses to give us life and to give us a story and to sustain us. In Job, this is what we read in Job 33, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. 
And then in Colossians, for by him, and that's referring to Jesus, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The only reason that you and I are here, the only reason that you and I have breath in our lungs, the only reason that the stars are still in the sky and the sun still comes up and the rain still falls, sometimes in California, the only reason that this planet still remains viable for life is because Jesus is holding it all together. And we sang that earlier, that God holds it all together. Who is the main character in your story? Who do you see as the main character in your story? Or who are you living as though they are the main character in your story? Do you see yourself as the main character? Or do you recognize and understand that the main character in your story is actually the God who created us and loves us and wants to be in a right relationship with us? Some of you have never said yes to being in a right relationship with God. You have a story but you're still trying to live as though you're the main character in your own story. And it can be exhausting, it doesn't satisfy, and it feels like there has got to be more to my story than this. And I want you to hear me say, there is. If you are living not in a right relationship with God, if you're living apart from God, there is a lot more to your story than what you've experienced up until this point. And before we're done tonight, for anyone who wants to say yes to Jesus and wants to be in a right relationship with God, we're gonna give you that opportunity. And for those who make that decision and who say yes to Jesus and continue to follow him, that decision will totally change the trajectory of your story forever. For those of you who are here and you have said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who do you see as the main character in your story? When it comes to how you live and how you make decisions, who would your friends say is the main character in your story? Is God and his will and his purposes at the center of your story? Many, many decades ago, my husband's grandfather passed away and I never got to meet him because this happened so long ago, but I've heard stories about him. He was a faithful man of God. He was a pastor in their uh, family church. So I've heard great stories about him, but recently I heard a story about him that I had never heard. And it was an inspiring, but also a challenging story in a good way. And he died of cancer several decades back. And so for me, when I'm in a tough season or things aren't going the way I want, my typical response to God is why? Like, God, why me? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why is this happening? But I heard this story that when his grandfather was asked, because he was a pastor, and so lots of people in his church would come up to him and be like, why? Why is this happening to you? Why is God allowing this to happen to you? His response was always, I don't ask God why. I ask him, what do you want to teach me? Only someone who has put God at the center of their life and recognizes that he is the main character in their story can live with that kind of a posture, right? To say, I don't ask why. I ask God, what do you want to teach me? Some of you here are in really tough seasons. Some of you are here in tough, are in tough seasons that no one here even knows about. And maybe you came and you're putting a smile on, but inside you're just like dying right now and you wish that someone knew what was going on, right? Some of you feel like you are walking through some of the hardest seasons of your life. And I'm so sorry for that and we would love to support you in that. But I also wanna remind you of the truth that no matter how tough of a season we are in, God is still at work, even when life does not seem to be going the way that we hoped it would. Romans 8.28 tells us, we know that in all things God works 
for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So even when your story doesn't make sense, even when there are parts of your story you wish were different or there are prayers you're praying that aren't getting answered the way you would hope, even if you come and you feel like, gosh, I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And some of you are, some of you are looking at death being upon friends or loved ones or potential outcomes that you are just hoping don't actually turn out the way you think they're going to. But even if you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you can trust that God is always working and that he promises to work all things together for good for those who love him. So keep loving God, keep seeking him, and he will work all things together for good. God is always at work. And so the invitation for us as we read Esther and as we look at our own lives is to pay attention and ask God, how are you at work? Where and how do you see God at work in your own story? And if your answer to that is, I don't know, I'm not really sure if God's working, I don't feel like I've seen him work in a while, then that's okay. And I would encourage you to pray. And you can even do that right now. And you can just say, God, would you show me how you have been at work in my life and how you are at work in my life? And then watch and see how God shows up and what he brings to mind for you. But God is always at work. And then the second thing I want to encourage us with is this. Your story is not over. Your story is not over. If you are here tonight, which you are, and you've still got breath in your lungs, then your story on this side of eternity, on this earth, is not over yet. Things can still change. And there is hope in every part of your story because of Jesus. Our only hope is in Jesus. Sometimes there are really tough seasons of our lives where it feels like things are always gonna feel this way. Nothing is ever gonna change. But what we see in the book of Esther is that things do change and people change and circumstances change and with God, our sorrow can actually turn into gladness. Life is full of different seasons. We sang about that earlier, the changing seasons. And the encouraging thing about seasons is that they change. Now in California, you might not know what a changing season is. And so if you grew up in California like me and you don't know what seasons look like, I will Google some photos for you. But seasons change. It's how God created seasons. And that's true in our stories as well. Seasons change. In Esther, the season it feels like they're in is a season where it looks like the Jews are gonna be killed and destroyed. All the Jews are gonna be wiped out because of this edict that King Xerxes has made. A plan is set in motion, and from a human perspective, it looks as though nothing can change this plan, and there's no hope. And maybe that's how your story feels to you right now. Maybe you've been in the same season for far too long, and it feels hopeless and like nothing will ever change, but here's what God's word tells us. Jeremiah 32 says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Nothing is too hard for God. Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them and he said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Nothing is too hard for God. None of our problems or our challenges are too big for God. Nothing we go through is unknown to him. Nothing surprises him. Nothing is out of his reach. The Bible is full of stories where God does miracles, where he moves in power, where he makes a way, where it seemed there was no way. He heals people. That's the God that we worship today and our God never changes but seasons do change. And that means your story can change as well. 
with God, there is always hope. Now here's the thing, sometimes God changes our stories by changing our circumstances, and sometimes God works and he doesn't change our circumstances. Sometimes he changes our stories by changing us. And so in whatever season you find yourself in right now, how might God wanna change you? Or as my husband's grandfather asked during his battle with cancer, God, what do you wanna teach me at this point in my story? What does God wanna teach you in this season of life? So God is always at work, your story isn't over, and then third and finally, you have a role to play in God's story. You have a role to play in God's story. One of the things we see in the book of Esther is that different people have different parts to play in God's story. Esther has a role to play, Mordecai has a role to play. They choose to play an important role in God's story and we get to make a similar choice. If you are here and you are a Christ follower and you've said yes to Jesus, then the Bible actually tells us about some of the roles that you and I get to play in God's story. And I say get to because it's a joy and an invitation to get to play these roles. As Christians, here are just a few of the roles that God's word tells us we get to play. God wants to use you to make disciples. Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. God wants to use you to do the work of an evangelist and to share the gospel with others and help people know Jesus and to share the message of reconciliation with others. 2 Corinthians 5 says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you're a Christian, you've been reconciled to God and God has given you his message of reconciliation. And the question is, what are we doing with that message? God has good works for us to do. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For Esther, one of the good works that God had prepared for her to do entailed risking her own life to save the Jewish people. Esther willingly chose to play her role in God's story, and in order to do that, it required courage. Esther acted with great courage. Where might God be calling you to step out and to take a risk and to obey him and to ask with courage? Where is he asking you to make your story about his glory? What role is God inviting you to play in his story? So three things, just to encourage you when it comes to your story and as you read the book of Esther and think about God's overall story. God is always at work. Your story isn't over and God has a role for you to play in his story. As we close, I wanna give us a few different ways to respond and I really just want this to be a time between you and the Lord and so you can put your journals down if you want but you can close your eyes or take whatever posture is comfortable for you but this is not about you and the woman next to you or in front of you. This is just about you and the Lord and I just wanna invite God to speak and to move and so God, even now, God, thank you for the book of Esther. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that even though you're never directly mentioned in the book. You're everywhere in the book of Esther, God. And thank you that even if we don't directly see you in our own lives, 
you're everywhere and you're working, God, and help us to pay attention to you, Lord. But God, I just pray that in these next few moments as we sit and we ask some questions of you that you would just speak to us. We invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to move and have your way in this space. And yeah, just speak and move in ways that only you can, Lord. And so just between you and the Lord, eyes closed, you and God, a few questions to sit with. First, where or how has God been at work in your life? And just invite God, just say, God, whether you know him or not, whether you believe in him or not, I just encourage you, invite God. Say, God, would you show me how you've been working in my life? Show me ways that you're at work in my life and just see what he might wanna say to you. And then second, are there any areas in your own story where you've maybe given up hope or you've decided your story is over, there's no hope, things won't change? And how do you need to be encouraged with the truth that your story is not yet over? And so just invite God to speak to you about that. And if you're sitting here feeling like my story is over, then say, God, would you show me in a way only you can that my story is not over? And then third, what role might God be inviting you to play in his story? And for some of you, it might feel like, you know, I'm playing some of these roles, and God's proud of you. I believe that God delights in the roles that we play for his kingdom and his glory. But just sit and maybe ask God, God, are there any new roles you're inviting me to play in your story? And would you give me courage to play those roles? And then lastly, for those of you here who've never said yes to Jesus and you come, and I don't know what point you're at in your story, but if you're honest, you would say, my story does not yet include a relationship with God. I've never said yes to Jesus. I don't know how to be made right with God, or I've been afraid, or I don't know what that looks like. I want you to hear the good news, the best story ever of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ and give you an opportunity to respond and not an opportunity to pressure you or anything like that, but just to invite you. And I just wanna even say, Lord, would your Holy Spirit move in this place and among these women as your gospel is shared and proclaimed, God? And as we hear just the good news of what you've done for us through Jesus, would you make it real to any woman in this room or online or in a satellite group 
who doesn't yet know you, and for any woman who's never said yes to you, would this be their moment, their life-changing and story-changing moment, God? The good news and the gospel, according to God's word, is that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. He loves you. He values you. He desires to be in a right relationship with you. But we've all sinned. And by sin, we mean we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of his standards for us. None of us could ever live up to the standards of God. And the penalty for our sin, the wages for our sin, is death. That's actually what we owe. So if we have to pay what we deserve, then we would be paying death. That's what we owe. But God, in his great mercy and his grace and love for us, Father, the Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to come down into this world. And Jesus Christ was born as a baby and he lived a perfect, obedient life that none of us could ever live, none of us have ever lived, and none of us could ever aspire to live. Jesus lived a perfect life and he then went to the cross. He took all of our sin upon himself. He paid the penalty we owe, which is death, so that we don't have to. He died on the cross, he rose three days later, and all who place their faith and their trust in Jesus will be made right with God, they'll be forgiven for their sins, and they will receive the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus. So the way to be made right with God, the way to be reconciled with God, is only through Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, and I wanna say this too, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have read the entire Bible. You don't have to have it all figured out. It's okay to have questions. We still have questions as Christians. But if you're here and you wanna be made right with God and forgiven for your sins, and you want your story to be forever changed in the best way possible, and you wanna live for God and his story and his glory, then I would just encourage you to pray this prayer. And you can pray it aloud, you can pray it under your breath, but you can just pray God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. I believe that Jesus took my sin and went to the cross and died for me and paid the penalty I owe so that I don't have to and that he rose again and I am placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I wanna be made right with you, God. I wanna be forgiven for my sins and I am committing to follow you, God, all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, we are so excited. We wanna celebrate with you. We wanna welcome you to the family of God, and we want you to hear that your story looked one way when you walked in today, and your story is never gonna look that way again. Your story has been drastically changed. You've been made new because of what Christ has done in you and by grace through your faith in Jesus Christ. So if you did pray that prayer and make a first-time decision to follow Jesus, would you talk to me? Would you talk to one of our staff afterwards? Would you tell your Women's Bible City table leader, we would love to get you a Bible and follow up with you. So let me pray for us one last time. God, just thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for the good news of what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. God, thank you for every person here who's saved. Thank you, God, that you chose us and that you saved us. God, thank you for every person who just prayed to be in a right relationship with you or every person who might pray in a satellite group or online or in the coming weeks of Bible study, Lord. Thank you for the new life we have in you. God, I pray for anyone here or in our online and satellite groups 
that's curious, that's investigating, that's still not ready and isn't sure, God, over these next several weeks, would you move in a way that only you can and show them without a doubt that you are who you say you are and show them their need to be made right with you through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. God, we love you. Would you bless our table times, God? And would you just move in mighty ways throughout our discussion at our tables? We pray in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.